Being an adult isn't always easy. So when it comes to financial adulting, you and I know that it can cause people to run the other way. But it doesn't have to be that way, as we will learn with Ashley Feinstein Gersley. Don't press the stop button. Keep on listening. Here, bienvenida to the Her Dinero Matters podcast, a mixed language podcast hosted by me, Jen Hemphill, to help you become the reign of your money and love your dinero more. If you are needing some inspiration and encouragement at this very moment, you have come to the right place. Gracias por compartir este tiempo conmigo. Now let's jump in to today's dose of money confidence. Hola, hola. How is it going? This is Jen Hempel, your host. And today we're going to discuss financial adulting. I know it can sound intimidating to some, but as you know from this podcast, we are all about making money simple. So I'm excited to have Ashley back to help us simplify financial adulting. Let me share with you a little bit about Ashley Feinstein Gersley. She is the author of Financial Adulting, a guide that breaks down everything you need to be a financially confident and conscious adult. She is also a money coach, author of the 30-Day Money Cleanse, and the founder of The Fiscal Femme, a money platform on a mission to end inequality through financial well-being. Lista? Let's go meet Ashley. And for those of you who have heard Ashley on this podcast, let's go hear more from Ashley. Ashley, bienvenida. I am so thrilled to have you again on this show. I know you were on the show when it was Her Money Matters. And then it was around that time when your episode aired that I was making the decisions to shift gears and brand this as Herding Dinero Matters. So I'm so thrilled that you contacted me and to talk to you again today. Thank you. Thank you for having me back on. And I love the new brand. Thank you. Well, I know in the last episode we did this, a little bit, but let's see where it takes us today. Take us back in time to a memory that you have, to your upbringing, an experience, a lesson that you had around money. Well, one thing that comes to mind in particular is really early on in my money journey when I was in my first job as an investment banker. Actually, it was my second job, but really early in my career. And I remember feeling very shameful that I didn't know more about money because I studied finance, I was working in finance, and I remember things like there was some big news happening and someone who I worked with said he had a really brilliant investing idea. And I remember having feelings like I should know this, I should be the one with the ideas, why do I not know what's going on with this? I don't want to miss out and I ended up doing what he did. And it wasn't malicious. He made the same investment, but it was definitely a moment where later, when I had lost a lot of money, when I realized that most people don't know 
about money and we feel very alone in that we don't know about money, not only does that feel really icky and shameful and not good at all, but it has us take advice from people who we probably shouldn't. And also, you know, I know now that I have everything I need to have research to understand, but I just blindly kind of went along with what he said because he sounded confident and I assumed everybody else understood this but me. <laughs> so that was definitely a, an experience that had me decide there was a, at the end of that when that was my main investment other than my retirement. And I had this like, never again, I'm never doing that again. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to never again for me, never again for the people in my life. This isn't happening again. So it was a critical moment. And I think definitely shaped the course of the fiscal femme. I'm sure. And you also, at this time, you had a degree in finance, you work in finance. So that added, I'm sure, because I've been there. (laughs) That added to, well, I should know this. So tell us a little bit about what feelings came up, because I know when I was going through some financial challenges, I had a lot of guilt and shame because people looked at me to be the one that had it figured out, that people looked at me to be the one smart with money. And I couldn't even tell that I'm like, you do not know what's going on in this mine or in our finances. So I'm just curious, what was this for you? Take us through that. Well, I resonate with what you shared. I think I felt very alone, very shamey. I felt shameful. Like there was a lot of shoulds. I should know this. Why do I not understand this? What's wrong with me? Everybody else has it figured out. Those were the kind of thoughts that were going through my head. I'll never know how to do this kind of things. Yeah. And I think something that I've realized is that Whenever I give a talk at the beginning, I say, raise your hand if you think you should know more about money and personal finance. And it doesn't matter if I'm speaking at a bank, if I'm at an MBA program, if I'm speaking to a mentor, like I found that everybody feels like they should know more. And I think that's helpful to know that we're not alone and that this is something that, you know, we're not set up for success with and everybody's trying to figure it out too. Right. And I think as women specifically, because we in general, I think things are shifting, especially in the past years. Since we talked, I think things have shifted in terms of financial empowerment with women. But when it comes to women and in general, as I was saying, we tend to have that less confidence around finances, even though we are known to be better investors. So I wonder when someone is listening right now, for those of you listening, if you have this feeling of shame, I want to just give you that permission that it is okay to not know everything because you have the opportunity to learn. And I think as women, I think that those feeling is a little more, don't you think? But again, I'm a female, I'm not a male. So well, I've noticed even so that was like my experience, right? I didn't have the confidence. And, you know, I don't think that he had much more info than me and he did. (laughs) So but I do see that in my couples too, that in my heterosexual couples, that the woman, even if she might know more than she thinks, she doesn't know that much less than the partner, but he's the one who's running it, who's really confident. And there's really the gap is very small in that case or not existent. And, you know, it's the good news and the bad news. Like the good news is you don't have to know everything. And 
we've been doing this a long time. Like I'm still learning, still making mistakes. For my most recent book, I interviewed 35 people. I learned so much and I still don't know it all. And I think that's very relieving. Things change. There's so many areas where you can learn and knowing, I guess, the confidence to know that I can gather the information from trusted places and make the decision is really important. And I guess the bad news of that is that you never kind of reach this pinnacle of being a financial adult. We're always growing, moving along the path. It's a lifelong journey. So it's good news and bad news, I think. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. And the last time that you were here, for those of you listening, that was episode 164 and we're above 300 now. So that's crazy. We were talking about your book. It's called The 30 Day Cleanse, which is a fantastic read for those of you who haven't read it. But I'm curious. So you've wrote this book, The 30 Day Cleanse. Now you have a book about financial adulting. What was the, it's not a pivot. You're still talking about finances, but what led you to specifically write this book, your new book? Yes. The 30 Day Money Cleanse came out in 2019. It was very much about budgeting, money mindset, all the things that I thought really changed the game for how I managed my spending and how I thought about money. And it was colorful. There was workbook components. I thought it was fun and accessible. And I still love that book. And what happened is, so I wrote the book and then I went on with the fiscal fed, my business. And I realized people had so many questions in addition to the budgeting and money mindset. And there was like, what about investing? What about retirement? What about taxes? What about my goals? How much for these goals? You know, there were so many questions. So I wanted to answer those questions. I wanted to create a guide that someone could read through, learn a lot, but also have it as a resource on their shelf. Like maybe they don't need life insurance now. There's a chapter on insurance, but when it's time, they're like, oh yes, Ashley talked about that in a way that made it really simple. Let me pull that off the wall and read that over. So that's what my goal was for it. And I also interviewed other experts, first of all, because these were like estate planning and I wanted to highlight other expertises. And I also wrote my first book from my own perspective. And something that I've learned along my money journey, my intersectional feminist journey, is that personal finance education is most beneficial when it's specific, because money is so different to each of us, depending on our race and ethnicity, our gender, our sexuality, if we have a disability, if we're mothers. And so I wanted to include diverse perspectives so that the information was actually helpful and could help us depending on where we're coming from and really understand that we're not experiencing money in the same way. So I think this book is definitely a how-to. I cover everything I think someone needs to know to be a financial adult, but I also, there's some expose in there on the things that are wrong with our financial systems. I'm taking a quick second to interrupt your listening to remind you. This show relies on your support. Before we jump into today's content, keep your ears peeled for a unique reveal I'll be sharing midway through the show. It's something special just for you to continue to grow. If you get a ton of value, it would mean everything if you can hit the follow button on wherever you listen to, share with a friend, and give us a quick and honest review. Gracias y te mando muchos abrazos. 
I so appreciate that you're doing that because I agree, whether our gender, our culture, all those things that you just mentioned have such an influence. And I always say, especially when I talk with businesses that want to reach the Latino market, I always say, yes, translating is, yes, it's essential if you're talking to someone that speaks only Spanish or primarily Spanish, but it's not just about translating. It's about connecting. It's about connecting with their story, which is with those different areas that you just mentioned or groups, there's something specific to that. So I really appreciate that you did that. And you are so good with, I'm a big fan of putting things simply because if it's simple, then you're more apt to do them, you feel more confident, and you're consistent with it. So thank you. Now with your book, it's about being financially confident, which I love, love, because this is what I talk about as well, and a conscious adult. So what is financial adulting? When you say financial adulting, what is it? And what does that look like for you? To me, a financial adult, again, it's not like this person who knows everything and never makes mistakes. It's Four things. Someone who takes small, consistent steps that lead to big results. Because it's not about, I think we do this with New Year's resolutions. We like expect to have this overnight transformation. And that sets us up for failure because we're not going to change everything overnight and be a different person and have all new habits. And money can be really daunting and overwhelming. So breaking down steps small enough that they feel manageable, that we can have these wins and keep moving along our money journey all year round. That is financial adulting. Also, knowing where your money is going. I think that's a big part of it. And it sounds very simple. Like, of course, we should know where our money is going, but it's actually pretty profound. And it takes work to know what's coming in and what do I get to keep? And then what is going to my expenses and what's going to my goals? And what does that mean for my goals? So that is part of it. And then also having plans that you feel confident in. And then that doesn't mean that, again, you know, I need this many dollars and cents exactly to retire because so much of our lives and our goals can change over time. There's a lot of variables, but to have a general idea of what our goals are, have a plan to work towards them, to feel good that we're actually doing that. And then the last piece is that critical equity and money context to understand what privilege we do have to help close the gaps, the gender and racial wealth gaps. And then also understand if we are coming up from a place of historic and current oppression so that we have some compassion for ourselves. We understand that we can't be comparing ourselves with other people who might not be experiencing that. So those are the four things that I think make someone a financial adult. I love it. And you also talk about becoming a consumer activist. And I really want to dive into this topic. So for those listening that don't know this term, what is that? And why should we even consider becoming one? Because I presume that's what one of your messages is, become a consumer activist. And consumer activism in general is using our money to vote for more of what we want to see in the world. Because every time we spend, every time we give, when we invest, we are voting with our dollars. And it can come in many forms. I think it's important to acknowledge that being a consumer activist takes privilege because either sometimes when you're choosing the women-owned company or the sustainable company, it's going to be more expensive. Or you're going to have to do some research. It takes time. So 
I created a channel in our Slack community where we can help each other do the research and share so that if you are going to buy sneakers and I already did the four hours of research, you can find that to make it a little more accessible. But I think it's important to say that that we don't have to be consumer activists in every area. We have to take care of ourselves financially first, but there are manageable things. And I think when we start digging into what is important to us, which will look different to each of us, but it can be overwhelming when we look at where our money's currently going and companies are big and complicated and it might be a lot of gray. So it's again, back to this very compassionate, giving ourselves a lot of grace and taking small steps. Maybe it's next time you go to the grocery store, you research who you're buying your dressing from, you know, and is there a company that I might want to switch to for that one decision or a recurring expense is a great one because it's once we do the research that company is benefiting from our purchase every single month. So yeah, that's how I think of consumer activism. And I know consumer typically reminds us of spending, but it can also be who we're giving money to, who we're banking with if we're investing in ESG funds, you know, so there's a lot of different opportunities and giving our time, you know, volunteering our time as well as a way to be an activist. I love that perspective. Thank you. And then you also talk in your messaging to your audience and in your book is about becoming your own money coach. So in the space, there's different money coaches. So why should you become your own money coach? Is it even possible for someone that maybe thinks, well, I don't know anything about money? A money coach, just like any other coach, this is specific to your money, is someone who cheers you on, who holds you accountable, who helps you problem solve, who helps you learn from your mistakes. And this, of course, does not mean that you should not hire a money coach or work with a professional if you want to. That's great as well. But in addition, or instead, if that's not something that you can financially do, we can also be our own money coaches. And some ways we can do that are first to look at how we talk to ourselves about money and make sure that if we were coaching ourselves, that's how we would speak to ourselves. And sometimes it's hard to find what the exact words we're saying because we're so used to them. But you might notice if there's a physical reaction when you're dealing with your money, like a knot in your stomach or like a tightening, like that's probably a moment where you're saying something pretty negative. Then also just The consistency when we set aside time to deal with our finances, that's something we would be doing with our coach. And so I recommend doing that through a money party, having a monthly or biweekly time where we sit down, run through our numbers. What did my expenses look like? Am I on track for my goals? And then another big part of being a money coach for ourselves is to learn from our mistakes. And I think there can be a tendency when we make a mistake to kind of punish ourselves and not want to think about it because it's painful, but we can learn and grow. We're not set in our financial abilities. We were born knowing how to manage our money. So we can say, oh, interesting. Okay, that happened. I'm not happy about that. But what can I do this week that will set me up differently so that doesn't happen again or it doesn't happen to that extent again? So those are some ways that I would say to be our own money coach and also to to track our progress and celebrate ourselves along the way. I love that. And I think really a big advantage of being your own money coach, I know some of the hesitancy may be, well, I don't know much or the lacking that confidence, but the person who knows the most about your money is you. You know your financial situation best. And even if you're working with a financial coach or a financial planner, you have to make sure that you communicate clearly everything. And sometimes we're human. You know, we forget to communicate 
something that may be relevant and that could be helpful to that professional. So just keep that in mind that the person who knows your situation best is you and just take that and own that and have the confidence that you can do this. And I love that you advocate for that because I am on board (laughs) with that, Ashley. And I know there's so much to talk with you, especially with your new book, Financial Adulting, which is available now. I'm curious to know if there was one thing from the book that you would love readers to take away from, what is that main one thing that you would like them to take away as they're reading the book? Oh, that's so tough. So I feel like the big things are the first chapter, when I define financial adulting, I talk about the reasons we're not financial adulting and all the things working against us. And I think that's so important because letting go of the shame really allows us and like the guilt, like you mentioned, really allows us to move forward. So to me, it's like having fun with our money and taking those small consistent steps is the key. Love it. Ashley, I wish we had time for more because you were a fabulous guest the first time around and you're a fabulous guest again. Thank you so much for everything that you do for writing another book, which is a huge feat. So congratulations. And thank you for coming on and sharing your story and the messages in your book. Thank you so much for having me again. It's been such a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed learning from Ashley. It is always a treat talking to her. Make sure that if this interview, if this conversation resonated with you to check out her book, Financial Adulting. Like usual, we will also have that link in today's show notes. We will also have in today's show notes the link to our previous conversations. So if you are such a fan like I am of Ashley, you can go check it out. In case you want to go ahead and note down the link to Ashley's book, it is financialadultingbook.com. That is financialadultingbook.com. Again, we will have that link in today's show notes. Well, we just finished our second financially strong Latina. And it was so amazing. And I am really coming off that high energy. We kept the sessions really short, 30 minutes, because you know that Zoom fatigue is real. And you all want to learn more. I've heard it. I've heard it loud and clear, which I absolutely love. This is why we will be planning different on-demand workshops. They will have a cost. It's not going to be free but it will be minimal. Submit your topics of what you want to learn more about at jenhemphill.com forward slash dinero workshops. Again, that's jenhemphill.com forward slash dinero workshops. And that link will also be in the show notes. Next week on the podcast, it is just the two of us. I'm going to break down the different types of financial professionals out there and what you should know in case you need one. This way you can make the best decision for you. Bueno pues, that is everything. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune into this show. Be sure to check out the show notes at jenhempill.com forward slash 306. That is jenhempill.com forward slash 306. And this way you can refer to everything I mentioned in the show. Remember that being the reina of your money starts at this very moment, simply like claiming it. I believe in you, and so should you. Nos hablaremos el próximo jueves. Chao.